Mitzvah 221, Mitzvah of Yifas Toyar, the Mitzvah of the beautiful woman that was taken captive during the war. This Mitzvah is found in the beginning of the portion of Kitetse. The Torah says, Kitetse la mechama levecha, when a person will go out to fight a war against his enemy, and you're going to see amongst the captives a beautiful woman. You'll desire her. And you will take her to yourself for a woman. Says the Torah further, you should bring her into your home. You should shave her head off. And then, according to one opinion, this means you should make her nails grow long. According to another opinion, is to actually cut off her nails. To remove the garment that she put on for war. And now she will sit in your house. And she will cry after her father and her mother for one full month. And after that, then she will be to you for a wife. How do we understand this mitzvah on the level of pshat and remez and drush and soyed and chsidis? And how is all of this connected to this time of the year, the month of Elul, as we approach the new year of the holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the high holy days? First and foremost, Rashi tells us, when you go out to a war, we are talking about we are talking about a war that was a voluntary war. And then you will find over there, amongst the captives, a beautiful woman called the Yifastaya. And you will desire her. And you want to have her for a wife. Says Rashi, a very interesting thing, that the Torah permits you to have one, one intimacy with this woman. And the reason for this is, even though she's not yet Jewish, the Torah talks about the Yetzahara, the evil inclination, being that it's very strong at a time of war. The Torah allows you to have one relation with this woman, and then you have to take her home. One woman only, and one relation only. And then you take her home to your house. If she converts, good. If not, you give her a month to make up her mind, and she cries over her father and her mother. If after the month she decides to convert, you wait two more months, and after three months, you marry her. And this is the, the mitzvah according to Peshutte Shemikra, the simple interpretation, and according to the Rambam. What is the remez? What is the hint for the future, for, for the, the coming of Mashiach and Geula? The idea of uvachsa, of crying, we are told in the, in the writings of the Ariza, of the Holy Ari, that this represents the concept of the month of Elul. And the month of Elul, one cries over the mistakes of the past. And after a person does the proper tshuva, the Ramam tells us, Miyad Heinigolin, right away, the Jewish people are going to be redeemed after they do tshuva. And therefore, right after, she cries over her father and her mother. She cries over her intellect and understanding, which means the mistakes that she made through being too smart. Then, 
And the Torah says after that, the, the soldier, the, the man, will marry her. This alludes to the marriage between God and the Jewish people that will take place after Mashiach comes. Another approach is that this crying is not a crying of, of sadness, of, of melancholy, but rather a crying of, of joy. As we find that the Rabbi Akiva, when he understood, he began to understand the depths of the secrets of Shira Shirim, of the Song of Song written by King Solomon, he began to cry with tremendous tears over joy because he was able to comprehend the secrets of the Torah. It was so overwhelming that he cried. And so too a Mashiach will come. The book of Jeremiah tells us in chapter 31, verse number 8, This is actually the Torah that we read the second day of Rosh Hashanah. On the high holy days, the second day of Rosh Hashanah, it says, through crying, they will come. What does that mean? Why are the Jewish people going to be crying when God brings the Mashiach and gathers all the people from all four corners of the world? There won't be a crying of sadness or a crying of remorse, but rather a crying of joy, of, of deep comprehension and belief in God and Torah and Mitzvahs. So this is the idea of, of the Rem is the hint that the idea of crying will bring about the ultimate marriage between God and the Jewish people. What is the drush? The drush means halacha. The homiletics is the halacha. What is the halacha? We find a very interesting thing here. There's a famous story in the Tanakh, in the book of Shemuel of Samuel, that Dabra Melech had many wives, and he had many children. One child was called Amnoin, and the other child was called Tamar. Amnoin was infatuated with his sister Tamar, and he wanted to marry her. <clears throat> Tamar said, I can't marry you, I'm your sister. It's true, we have different mothers, but we have the same father. I can't marry you. He said, no, it's not true. Go to your father and ask him, and you will see he will not withhold you from me. Speak to the king. He's not going to hold me back from you. What's the reason? What's the reason that Amnon knew that the king would allow Tamar to marry him? Because Tamar was the daughter of a Yafas Toyar. Tamar was the daughter of this woman that was captured by war. And David Melech had one relation with her and she became pregnant. She became pregnant with Tamar before she converted. Even though she converted later. And therefore Tamar theoretically was born a Yid, a Jew. According to Allah, Tamar is not the daughter of David. And therefore, because Tamar was not the daughter of David Amelech, therefore she was not a sister to Amnon. Therefore, according to Jewish law, she was able to marry Amnon. The story doesn't end up so great. Ultimately, he rapes her and uh, 
she no longer speaks with him. And then Avshalim goes and kills Amnon. It's a nice story. <laughs> but it's a real love story. Anyways, the bottom line is that this is the drush. This is the halacha. This is the, the, the halachic approach to a bas. You fast toya, the daughter of this woman who is abducted during war and becomes impregnated by the Jewish soldier, even though she is now a Jew because the mother converts while she is pregnant, however, this girl is no longer the daughter of the father. What is the soid? What is the esoteric level of this law of the Yifastoya? There's a very powerful teaching of the Erechayim HaKadosh. The Erechayim HaKadosh asks a very basic question. How is it possible that these soldiers are going to war and they're going for the sake of heaven to acquire new land and to make that land holy so that people should cease idolatry and begin to live a life of, of godliness and spirituality in contrast to a life of paganism and hedonism. And now they should go and fall in love with one of these women. Now it's true that these women had to dress up beautifully at the time of war. And the reason primarily was because the fathers wanted to save their daughters. They were concerned that if the enemy would come in, and the enemy would overpower them, even though the fathers would die, at least the daughters would stay alive if they were dressed beautifully. On a deeper level, the daughters wanted to cause the Jewish soldiers to sin through idolatry. But the question comes to mind, how come the Torah calls them, you fast beautiful? At a time of war, they're hiding in, in caves, they're hiding in basements, they're hiding in holes in the ground. And there are bombs going off and, and, and there are bullets all over the place and there's mud and, and people are running. How do these people look so beautiful? And furthermore, these soldiers were holy. They were coming for a holy mission. Why would they fall in love with, with the enemy? Says the Rechaim, a very powerful insight, a big secret. Says the Rechaim that these souls of the Fastoya of these women were actually originally Jewish. And they dispersed after the sin of Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. So after Chava ate from the forbidden tree or fruit, and then Adam ate from the forbidden tree and fruit, what happened was it caused a severing of many of these souls, and these souls became lost in foreign nations. Now the soldiers of Israel go out to fight the war. They desire this soul because they see. There's a pintalayit over here. They see there's a godly spark. And therefore they, they retract and bring back that soul. And they bring the soul back into holiness and back into Kedusha. And this is the explanation according to Soyd, according to the esoteric level of Torah. The, the entire purpose of these wars was to increase these, these lost souls amongst the nations of the world. And as, as the Rebbe pointed out many times, the, the Torah tells us, we find in the Mishnah and the Gemara and the Rambam, Geish in his a convert that converted. It should have said a non-Jew that converted. Why must it say a convert that converted? 
to imply that a convert was always a convert. In other words, the soul was always Jewish. It happened to be that the soul deposited itself in a non-Jewish body. But the soul, the neshama, was holy and was godly, and therefore it has that yearning to return to its source, to return to the flame. And that is the, the purpose of this war, once again, to retrieve these lost souls. And the Rechaim goes on to say that we see throughout Jewish history, starting with Rus, or Ruth, and Shmaya and Italian, the, the teachers of Hillel and Shammai, and the Unculus. Unculus again, these were all prominent converts who changed Jewish history for all generations. Starting with Rus, who was the grandmother of, of King David. So this is the soy, this is the esoteric concept of the Ephastoya. What does Chassidus say? Chassidus asks the basic question, what is the message of the Ephastoya today? The, the mitzvah of Ephastoya, says the Rambam, only takes place when the Jews are in Israel and they have a, an army and they're conquering additional countries. But when, when the Jews are not in the land of Israel, the Jews are dispersed, in exile, there's no concept of Yifastoya out of this mitzvah of, of the beautiful woman. And yet the Torah is eternal and the Rambam writes a mitzvah that is for all generations. So how do we apply this mitzvah to our daily life? And Al-Tareb explains, and similarly the, the Rebbe writes in a mimer of Tavshin Memhei, that the idea of Yifastoya represents the soul of a Jew. The godly soul, the, 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 the neshama, that this soul fell into the enemy's hands, fell into the hands of the nations of the world. The question is now, how do we retrieve this soul? How do we get it back? This Jewish soul that was godly and holy now became, so to speak, impure and unholy and soiled by following in the path of the nations of the world. How do we purify the soul and bring the soul back to God? So the first thing is, the first thing is you have to shave the head. means that you have to remove the hairs. What's the idea? The hairs of one's head represents intellect. And therefore the unnecessary intellectual indulgences of, of the person into decadence and to vanity, vanity. Now, by cutting off the hair, it means we remove any association with, with things that are unholy. And to use the intellect only for godly things and holy things and spiritual things. The next thing is that you have to cut off the nails. To cut off the nails means to control the emotions. Because the hands which are near the heart represent the emotions. And that is that the person put his emotions into things that were unholy. And therefore by cutting off the nails we eliminate these superfluous emotional indulgences and therefore by doing that one is now able to get closer to God and after that we remove the garments of war which represent thought, speech and action that are not for the sake of God and by doing all of these things a person is now able to return to Hashem 
But being that we find ourselves in the month of Elul, that's not enough. You have to go to the next level, and that is to continue by uvachsa. That you have to allow the, the, the individual, the woman, to cry for a month. What is that, that idea? That represents tshuva. The month of Elul is a time of tshuva, a time of return, introspection, and therefore one cries over the mistakes of the past year. And they cry for the father and the mother. They cry because they, they know how close and dear the soul is to God and how dear the soul is to the Shekhinah, to divine presence. And yet, because of their sins, they have distanced themselves from God and from the, the Shekhinah, the divine presence. And therefore, by, by doing this proper tshuva, she now gets married by the, the soldier, implying that Almighty God now marries the soul, and therefore you have the ultimate unity between God and the Jewish people, as explained earlier, that will take place with the, the coming of Mashiach in the time of the resurrection of the dead. So this is the, the mitzvah of Yifas Toyar, this is the mitzvah of, of the, the woman who is abducted and taken captive during the war, and how it translates at all these five different levels. And this, therefore, by the fact that a person will, will learn the, the laws of Torah and understand these laws of Torah, we have the promise, In other words, if you will truly want to retrieve the soul and truly get closer to God, says the Torah, when you go out to fight a war, Upon your enemy, you will be upon your enemy. Your enemy is not equal to you, but rather you have the upper hand. And therefore, any challenge you see in the world, and any temptation that you have, you must realize that God put this temptation in front of you to challenge you, but really you have the power, you have the tools, and you have the ability to truly overcome all of these challenges. So we hope and pray to see the ultimate blessing of a year of Hashanah Trevi Masukah, a year that is good and a year that is sweet. And a year of Gula, a year of redemption for the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days. Any questions? Uh, is it also uh, the same, not just a beautiful woman, um, the soul of a man, the same thing could happen? Right? So the soul of a beautiful woman represents. A, 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 a Jewish soul is called, is called a Yafas Toya, it's called a beautiful woman. Neshama, Neshama is, is, um, is feminine because, because it yearns to connect with God. It was the masculine. So the Neshama is really feminine. So we're not talking about a woman, we're talking about every soul. person who has a soul. It's called, uh, that soul is called a Yafas Toya. Yeah. I know that in some uh, society, uh, the Judaity is from the father, and some in some other society, the Judaity is from the mother. And so, how is it connected with the story? Like, sometimes I don't know. So, is a person Jewish because the mother is Jewish, or sometimes when the father is Jewish, is the person really Jewish or not? No, according to traditional law. <coughs> According to the Torah law, the, the child is only Jewish if the mother is Jewish. Even if the father is not Jewish and the mother is Jewish, then the child is 100% Jewish. 
There are some restrictions that the child should not marry a Kohen, for example. But besides that, they have 100% uh, validity as a Jew. And furthermore, as we said earlier with the story of Amnon and Tamar, that even though Macha, which was the mother of Tamar, converted technically while she was with pregnant with the baby, and the baby is born now a Jew, but that baby, which was Tamar, is still not the daughter of David. Because once a man, a Jewish man, lives with a non-Jewish woman, now she takes over the seed. There's no longer a Jewish seed anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so you're no longer the father. What? Hey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no child support? <laughs> I mean, spiritually, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's, right, exactly. No, you still have to pay is, child support. Yeah, I mean, spiritual, spiritual enough physically. It's, yeah. still, it's still incestual. So. <coughs> um, so, so, had the daughter would be considered in Judaism as, what's the word? Nems, um, uh, if you're born outside marriage? Uh, Out of wedlock. Uh, no, but it's a... Uh, a bastard? <laughs> yeah, but there's a word for that. In, no, in Judaism, it's not called a bastard. There's a word for that. Mamsa. No, it's not a mamzer. It's not a mamzer. A mamzer is the Hebrew word for bastard. According to Jewish law, a mamzer, a bastard, is only one who the mother was married. The woman was married to another man. And she had relations with another Jewish man. Okay. She had relations with a Jewish man. So that child who's born from that illicit relationship now is called a bastardist child. He's not allowed to marry a Jewish girl. But if the woman was not married and had a relation with a man, so, so the child is born out of wedlock. It's a Jewish child. It's called mechua. It's disgusting. It's not a nice thing. It's not something you're going to walk, you know, walk around telling everybody about. It's not something you want to be proud about. Um, but on the other hand, the child is a Jewish child, and it's a kosher child. Yeah, so in American law, we call it a bastard child, but in Jewish law, it's not a bastard. Okay. Any other questions? Any last questions?